Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to do a message this morning um, about identity. Uh, And we're going to go from identity to really a portrait of what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. When I say the word identity, uh, there's going to be times in your lives where people say, well, tell me about yourself. And uh, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? What are you going to tell people? Most of the time we tell people the things that we want them to know about ourselves. Uh, Other people tell them the things that uh, maybe are true about ourselves. I don't know. But uh, a lot of times uh, we say, well, uh, somebody says, who are you? And you say, well, uh, I'm from Tehachapi. I'm from Tehachapi. If you're particularly proud of being from Tehachapi, you tell people. And if you're not, you don't. Uh, uh, Or maybe uh, you say, well, I'm a fireman. I'm a fireman. Uh, and you say, oh, and, and what you're doing is you're giving them some form of reference to identify you. Uh, you're from Tatchby, you're a fireman. Uh, maybe, uh, you say, I'm, I'm going to meet you someplace and this is how you'll identify me. I have long hair. I have long hair. Uh, I've never said that to someone. Never, you know, not even in the seventies, you know, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, you, you identify yourself so that people will know you, or you'll say, "I'm younger," or "I'm older," uh, "I am," uh, you know, "I'm a college graduate," and and what you're giving people is a description of who you are, of who you are, uh, and uh, in a lot of ways, uh, that's how we think of ourselves: is are those descriptions that we give to one another, and sometimes they're not that good. Um, sometimes we say, well, I'm a, I'm a horrible student. I'm a horrible student. I, I struggle with being a good father. Uh, I, you know, have lived a hard life. Uh, and some of those identifications, uh, of ourselves, our self-identifying really contribute, uh, to the steps that we take and the things that we do. This morning, we're going to look at really a man and, uh, This is one of Paul's examples that he's going to give us of what it means to be a Christian. And if you think about the passage that we've been in, the book of Philippians, it was a younger church of people who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, he changes everything. And I want to say changes everything. So you say, well, he don't, he doesn't change everything. That's true. Your physical appearance Maybe even the place you live, some of the things that you do, maybe that doesn't change. But your inner man, your person, uh, your identifications uh, change dramatically. Uh, and that's part of the repentance and uh, the transformation that the Lord does in our lives. Um, the church at Philippi, they were struggling with this. Am I doing this? I think I'm, I think I'm doing this. Hey, that's me. Hoping this is gonna stop. It's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be perfect. I'll just stay in one spot and not move around. Uh, but uh, we, uh, the church at Philippi, they were young believers. They were uh, getting used to. They had lives before that had been changed, transformed, and so they were trying to figure out what is it to be a Christian. What is it to live a life transformed? Uh, this particular uh, section, chapter 2, 
is really about selfishness. And uh, this idea that uh, selfishness, really at the core of who we are, needs to be changed. And I think we all can relate to that. We realize that without Jesus, all we are is a selfish person. Uh, We are doing things because we want to. We are going after life in a certain way because that's what we want. Uh, But then Christ enters and changes everything. And so the call of chapter 2 is do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing. Do nothing. Don't, Don't be those kind of people anymore. In fact, it says consider others better than yourselves. And so you get this picture in chapter 2 of how life is supposed to be different. And our challenge has been for us here at Bear Valley Church is to get a framework of what that looks like for me, that I would not do everything uh, motivated by selfish ambition or pride to myself, vain conceit, but that I would uh, understand what it would look like if I considered you all as more important than myself. Uh, the chapter goes on uh, and talks about really the gift that we have of Jesus Christ and what we have in Him, the riches in Him, and how He is the one, the one that not just modeled this, but won this for us in when He came to this earth, emptying Himself and going to the cross and dying on the cross, this shameful death that He was the ultimate of showing us the way and giving us the way of how to live not a selfish life, but a life that gives itself for others. And then Paul says right after that, he says, even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, we remember uh, kind of what's gone on. Paul's at this time, he is uh, under house arrest in Rome. He's stuck there. He's waiting trial, uh, most likely with Nero. Uh, he is uh, stuck there. And the course of his life uh, has been missionary journeys where he has paid an awful price. Uh, different times, different places, he's been rejected, beaten up, imprisoned. Even in Philippi, uh, there was a time where he you know, got imprisoned for sharing the gospel and helping people there in Philippi. And so this is Paul's life. And he says, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, even if my life is going like this, never to return to the bottle again, it's being emptied out, uh, that's good and that's a joyful thing. That's exciting. And you should be excited with me as we pour out our lives side by side. And then last week we looked at uh, the the first portrait in this section and it's a section uh, where he talks about uh, just two men, Timothy, and this week we're going to be talking about Epaphroditus. Um, last week we saw that um, the, the really the main characteristic of Timothy was that he was one, uh, he was not like anybody else uh, because he was different than everybody. In what way? Verse 21, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy was one who sought uh, others' interests. He was the, the model of what we've been talking about. And he sought after Christ's desire, what Christ was doing in others. In others. 
And so it brings us to today uh, as we talk about Epaphroditus. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you, starting in verse 25. God's, God's word says this, I, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only to him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. God, we ask your, for your blessing and that you do your work in us. Uh, God, help to change us to be the people you have saved us to be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, kind of the background of the book of Philippians. Uh, if you're here a while back, a few months back, uh, Acts, the book of Acts records for us that Paul went to Philippi and people were drawn to Jesus Christ there. And the church, through that visit and a, a following visit, was established there in this place. Um, we don't know all the people who came to faith, but we know a handful of them. Uh, came to faith at that time. Now Paul, uh, most likely 12 or so years later, is at a house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial, as I shared before. And the book of Philippians is kind of a thank you card, if you will, a thank you note, a thank you letter, uh, for a financial gift that they had given uh, to Paul. Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. I don't want any politics to go on in here. But uh, when someone was arrested in Rome, they were still in charge of their own expenses. Sounds like a good idea, huh? Problem solved, right? <laughs> Problem solved. Uh, and so uh, uh, one commentator said uh, that maybe Paul had written a letter that nobody knew about and said, man, the cost of living here in Rome is really high, you know? Uh, it's like living in New York City or something like that. But uh um, they had given a financial gift uh, to Paul uh, as he's in prison. Um, and they had done it uh, previous times as well. We find out from the book of Philippians later on in the passage. Okay, uh, We want to start this morning in verse 25 really seeing a biography of the servant guy. Uh, the guy who's a servant. The guy who is just living out what it is to be a Christian. Um, in verse 25, and Paul is outlining kind of what the plan is, uh, what the plan was for Timothy, now what the plan is for Epaphroditus. And if you can figure out uh, really what it would be for you to be one of the players, one of Timothy or Epaphroditus or somebody else in the work of God, either in Rome or in Philippi. Uh, and that's uh, an interesting thought um, that 
you are a part of the work of God wherever your church is, wherever your people are, you know. And it's it's interesting how there's a connection. Uh, you, you have a, a primary connection to that local church, those people that you are with. And then you have a secondary uh, uh, connection to those other churches that you know of. And and this is what Paul is outlining. He He's in Rome, so uh, he's with the believers there in Rome, but he still is concerned in Philippi. And it's this interesting thing. Timothy, uh, we find out later, goes to Ephesus, but uh, Timothy traveled with Paul. He wasn't from Philippi, but he went there. So he cared about those people in Philippi. And now Epaphroditus is probably a resident of Philippi now here with Paul in Rome. And so there was this connection of the churches where they cared for one another. It's been a challenge for me because in some ways um, I put my head down here and I I say, this is our place. This is where we need to work. And yet uh, we do have connections with other churches and other people. Um, I I see Mrs. Schleck here today. Uh, her and her husband, Kent, uh, some of you remember Kent, yelled at him in the hallway here uh, as he was growing up. Uh, they're, they're hoping to plant a church down in Bakersfield. And uh, Kent, uh, he's been preaching to our kids over in Santa Barbara this week, sharing God's word. And you know why? Because he cares about our kids. He cares about them. And when he thinks of the youth here at Bear Valley, he doesn't think, Oh, that's just some church needs a speaker. I'm a hired gun. I come in. No, he says, these are my people. These are people who go to the same high school I went to and some of them play on the same soccer field. It's really a football field. But anyways, um, they, they do, you know, they know these are my people. And even as I got to talk to him this last week and talk about his plans down in Bakersfield, my heart was going, yeah. And what about us? And how can we participate in that? I think about uh, Mike Boys over in Santa Barbara. He's he's at the church that I was at growing up. And so when I think of him, it's not just some person uh, at some church that I don't care about. It's about people that I know and love and care about and I have a connection with. Uh, not just there, but even around the world. I think of Jimmy and Emily and uh, others that we are supporting and care about. and um, There's this connection that we have. And so Paul is laying out the gospel plan, what's happening next, how this is coming together. So he, he, but he shares in verse 25, really the biography or the identification of what it is to be a Christian. But as he describes Epaphroditus, he says this, I, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. And then he says this, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, and minister to my need. He just lists them out there. Now, um, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Uh, what, what do you do at Bear Valley Church? What, what's your role? You say, well, I sit in the 10th row on the right side. It's my spot, and I don't like it. I don't like it when somebody takes my spot. That's my spot. Uh, that's my spot. Um, you laugh, but some of you are like that. Uh, 
few years ago. People thought they were going to be really funny, and they switched spots on me on Sunday morning. And so I was kind of leaning during the service as I was, what are you doing over there? You need to be over there. And uh, But uh, uh, what do you do? What is your role? How, how do you just see yourself? Paul, as he looked upon uh, or he thought about Epaphrodites, he wanted to describe him. They already knew him, but this is how he saw him in the Lord. The first thing he said is brother. Um, brother uh, is is very interesting in the scripture because it it quickly connects believers that are not brother and sister. They are not family. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, they're family. And as Paul looked at Epaphroditus, he said, that's my brother, my brother. Um, you, you know what it is to have family, right? You, you understand that, that out of all the, the billions of people in the world, uh, family means something to you. It means something to you. It's, it's the idea that we're stuck together. We're stuck together. We, uh, we find ourselves, uh, this life connected with one another because we're family. You may not even like some of your family. Glad nobody said amen right there. Um, uh, you may not like some of your family, but because they are brother and sister to you, there's this bond there that you see them differently. And Paul didn't have that with Epaphroditus through his family. He had that through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't know about Epaphroditus when he came to faith, but maybe he came to faith on one of those missionary journeys. Paul was floating through and maybe he ran into him. And uh, maybe he was questioning him about what he was doing and he shared the gospel and somehow uh, Epaphroditus came to faith in such a way where Paul now thought of him as a brother, as a brother. I want to tell you that um, in a town like ours, uh, we, we know about this, right? We know about this. We know about seeing people out and about. And, uh, we know a lot of people. You know, if you've lived here a while, you know a lot of people you may be out shopping or something like that. And hopefully as you see one another, uh, your bond in the gospel, your heart leaps when you see one another. And you say, that's my brother. That's my sister. Uh, I, I, I need to stop. I need to share with them. I need to be kind to them. I need to help them. Like, like there's something connected to us. And Paul knew that as he looked at Epaphrodites, he said, that's my brother. He also says a fellow worker. And fellow worker, uh, all this is in the gospel. He's a brother in the gospel. Now he's a worker in the gospel. And I think it's interesting. Um, and most of us have had this experience maybe on a, a sports team. Uh, the great thing about sports, besides winning, we all like to win. But it's the camaraderie, the camaraderie. Uh, it, it's the idea of trying to figure out how to work to a goal. I, I remember my dad was in construction and he was doing a large job in, in Santa Barbara. And I was uh, very unimportant. I was the lowest of the low. Um, and he had hired a contractor to come in and um, pour, uh, well, put an asphalt, uh, you know, parking lot in. And I remember as a high schooler, 
looking upon this crew, and I thought it was so cool. I thought it was so cool. Not asshole. That's pretty boring. Black. Black's cool color. But um, uh, but uh, uh, just just pouring it, and, and they were putting in curbs. And what was so fascinating about this, there were probably 30 guys, and they were running and jumping and pushing and shoving, and everyone knew where they were supposed to go, and they were, they were working hard, and I was going, that's cool. That's cool. They're working together. They know what they're doing, and they're working together. As Paul looked upon the gospel endeavor, the establishing of churches, local churches uh, everywhere, um, he looked upon Epaphroditus and he said, that guy's a worker. That guy's a worker. And I'm a worker. We're workers together. We're fellow workers. This isn't someone on the sidelines. This isn't someone in the stands. This isn't someone who's appreciating the work, this is a fellow partner worker side by side. It's interesting. Uh, Paul doesn't throw down the apostle card here. He just says, I'm a worker. I'm a worker. Uh, how do you see yourself at Bervai Church? I'm a worker. I'm a worker. Uh, I'm part of what God is doing here. This is God's work. This is God's place. It's His building. It's His everything. And if we both work, do you know what we are? Fellow workers. That's what we are. Not very glamorous, but it's awesome to be fellow workers because of the work that we both do. Fellow workers. So he says, brother, fellow worker. And then he says this, fellow soldier. Fellow soldier. Yikes. Some suggest that um, it it's kind of convoluted. Some, some of Bible study, I want to tell you something about Bible study sometimes. So uh, some of Bible study is hard because we only have the Word of God that we know to be true. That's all we, that's all we got. Uh, there's other people writing about the Word of God. There's even other documents uh, from similar times that have been passed down and stuff like that. But the only thing that we know to be true is the Word of God. Um, some have speculated that Paphroditus, that is a long, is a long way to get there, but uh, that he was a retired military guy that was given a piece of land in Philippi. He was uh, elite, maybe 40, 45, and that in his retirement, if you will, uh, he found the gospel, uh, probably through the sharing of Paul. All that speculation. But he said, that he was a soldier. We don't know Paul to ever have been a soldier. And yet he uses the word, you're my fellow soldier. You're my fellow soldier. Um, it's interesting. We have some soldiers here today. Uh, Jeff Rader, stand up. Isn't that interesting? A big guy like that would take take orders from me. <laughs> Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. You know why? There's another one right here. I was going to have Garrett do it, but uh, Garrett's just learning. I didn't trust him. He hadn't only been in for four months or so. He goes, I'm, I'm taking orders from you. What's your rank? Uh, you know, uh, but um, it's interesting when you find a soldier, you find a soldier, even Jeff being on the soundboard is, is an instance of that. Zach asked him and he didn't feel like he could say no, right? A uh, soldier doesn't think about saying no. He just figures out how to obey the orders. Obey the orders. 
And that's one part of being a soldier. The other part of being a soldier is you're fighting a war. You're fighting a war. You're you're doing something to protect uh, and to follow orders in such a way that you would uh, be a part of winning the war. Um, the Christian endeavor is not something where we're getting a social club together here. It's not playing a sport. It's not playing a sport. Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, most of us can recover after a loss in sports. Uh, some of you Dodger fans have been saying next year for a long time, okay? Uh, saying that from a third place uh, fan right here of the Boston Red Sox. Third place. Third place. Um, but uh, we, we can recover. We can recover. But the idea of a war it heightens its importance, right? It, it, it can't be lost. It, it, the, the stakes are too high. And so a soldier is obeying orders to win the war. And Paul says, you and I, fellow soldiers, I, I, I think about some of you men who are soldiers and have come back and been in uh, just terrible situations. And, and you think about that. I remember Pastor Mike talking to me about some of the, the men that he met in Vietnam and how he reflected on them. And there was some bond there. What was that? It was a bond that they were side by side in difficult situations for a cause. And Paul says, much greater, much greater. As you think about the, the spiritual implications of the church being established in places, local churches, every place, he says, you and I, fellow soldiers, fellow soldiers, uh, he goes on, um, and he talks about maybe a little bit more practical things. He says, your fellow soldiers and your messenger, your messenger. Messenger, it's interesting. Um, so this, this comes to the place where I, I want to tell you that Epaphroditus, he, he did something. Really, the only thing that we really know he did. You know what he did? He brought the money. He brought the money. He brought the pile of money from Philippi to Paul. And and you say, why are you being so dramatic? Well, uh, if you were to give me some money today, I'd be happy. Um, but uh, how would you do that? How would you, if you were going to give me $5,000, how would you do that today? So you say, well, I'll write a check and I'd hand it to you. No, no, no. What, what if, what if I lived? in a different place. Maybe I live in Seattle or maybe I live on the East Coast, Atlanta. How would how would you get me that money? And you'd say, well, I'd still write a check. Actually, I wouldn't write a check. That's kind of old school. I would uh, go to my bank and I'd put your name in my little account thing and it would somehow magically send you a check. I really wouldn't write it myself. I could just go there. Um, and you'd say, oh, okay, yeah. Or, or maybe I'd, I'd wire it to you, so you're, you're tech savvy. I'd use the Cash app or something like that, or Zelle or whatever those things are. And magically, we just go boom, boom. You have my money now. You know, It's gone. It's there. They didn't have any of that. Uh, some of you are saying, well, oh, yeah, yeah, they had to travel. They had to have someone actually do it. It was worse than that. It was worse than that. Um, how, how many of you like road tripping? How many of you like road tripping? You like being on the road? 
you would not like road tripping uh, if you were in Philippi and Rome and this and that. You know why? Because the roads were dangerous. They didn't have highways. Or they didn't have good highways, okay? And uh, along the highway, they didn't have the CHP. And you say, oh, so you could go as fast as you can? Yeah, but that wasn't very fast, right? Uh, you're walking, and chances are he took a boat as well. And like, like, can you imagine $5,000 today in cash being held on to, uh, going on places that were, did not have any protection, and then on a boat and where you're with sailors? Like, like you think about the risks that were taken just to take that pile of money from one place to another. And chances, some have speculated even that that was the reason they chose Epaphroditus because he had a military background and this, that, and the other thing. Chances are it just wasn't him, right? Uh, chances are maybe there was an entourage or 10 people or uh, something like that where they were going together and they go, man, this is a big deal. This money could be taken very easily and we could get jumped and we could, you know, uh, you think, well, yeah, part of the reason that I like to, uh, uh, go traveling is because I love stopping at Cracker Barrel. You know, I, I just love it. You know, I just love it. I just love it. Uh, uh, they didn't have Cracker Barrel, okay? They didn't have Chick-fil-A. They didn't, they didn't have things, you know, the Arco AMPM where you could get all the junk. Like, they didn't have those things. They weren't ready to travel. But Epaphroditus... He was the messenger that led the group to bring the, the message, really the, the, the funds uh, from Philippi uh, to Paul. And lastly, minister to my need. This picture here, and we don't get all, all that, that, he, that he did, but as Paul was in need, as he was imprisoned or, or house arrest, however you want to describe that, uh, he came to help Paul. He came to minister to his needs, to help him with the gospel endeavor, the situation that he was in right there. He was a helper for Paul. Now, I just want you to back, back up and look this list real quick. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what it looks like to be a servant of the Most High God. You see that brother partnership. You see the, the partnership, I'm a worker guy. I'm I'm a soldier in the Lord's army. I'm a messenger, and I I bring from greetings from one to the other, and I'm a minister as God gives me strength. I'm a minister, and that's what Paul described Epaphroditus. That was the a biography, if you will, or the identification identity of Epaphroditus, which moves on to the cost and reason for the visit. Verse twenty six, he says. Uh, Remember in verse 25, he says, I'm going to send to you Epaphroditus. Um, verse 26, the reason for, for he has been longing for you and has been distressed because you have heard that he was ill. Um, you, you look at that uh, and you realize that Epaphroditus, just the mere fact that they were worried about him bothered his soul. That's what kind of connection they had. That, that Epaphroditus and Paul were worried about the way the church at Philippi were thinking about them right now. And specifically Epaphroditus, because he must have been loved. 
he must have been cared about. And so part of the reason to send him back and the eager, uh, the idea that they needed to do it soon was that uh, the way they thought about um, one another. And, and what that shows, what that shows is in our context is that Paul and Epaphroditus cared about the Philippian church. Cared about them deeply. And, and get this picture. This is what Christians do. This is what we do. Um, when you hear news of one another, uh, there's a tendency in our self-focus to say, not my problem. Not my problem. I got my own problems here. I'm too busy with my own problems to care about your problems. And yet Paul and Epaphroditus, they had this longing and this desire and care uh, for this church, uh, even in the way they thought of them. If you if you make this connection, I think it's important for you to do so. If you look at verse 27, it says this. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only to him, on him, but on me also, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. Um, what you get here is this. The trip and the service got him sick. Okay? Uh, and not just sick like cold, lost my voice. Uh, there's going to be kids coming home from camp. And that's what's going to be true of them. If you're a parent that hasn't sent your kid away to camp, they lose their voice, they tend to get sick, and they have a lot of smelly clothes. You know, that, that that's what it is to come home from camp. If you didn't want your kid to have those things, you shouldn't have sent them to camp. That's just the cost of doing business. You can expect it. And as Epaphroditus took this trip, there was some implications to his own health because of this trip. And that as he arrived in Rome, somehow he was sick and not just sick like having cold, but sick to death, we find out. Um, you look at that and uh, it's an amazing thing. So there's sickness from serving. Um, all, all this brings us to verse 28 where uh, Paul says, welcome him, welcome him. Take care of him, Re rejoice in him. Look at, look at what God's word says, verse 28. I I'm more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice uh, at seeing him again and that uh, I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. I look at that and uh, I, I want to point out one thing uh, I, I, before we get rolling is that joy and honor are what we should do to those who serve the Lord. We should honor them as they're willing to serve and to serve uh, without regard to themselves. We should honor them. We should rejoice in them. We, we should that those are the people we should cheer for. Those are the people we should have posters up on the wall for, right? Uh, many times we uh, get confused on what's important in this life and we uh, look at people with money and we say, boy, they're awesome. 
They're awesome. Name a building after them. Uh, hey, there's an athlete. They won the MVP and championships here and there. Boy, there's someone to model our lives after. I want to tell you that Paul was making it simple for them. He says, there's the guy, Epaphroditus. There he is. When you see him, when you see him, rejoice in him and honor him. Why? Because of what he's done. Because of him understanding his role uh, in uh, the work of the church. And, and I want to say this. Uh, what's described here, I've already described it, I should have said this earlier. What's described here is fellowship. Fellowship. And you say, fellowship? I don't hear any casseroles in that passage. I don't hear any like, you know, lasagna or anything like that. No. This is fellowship. What fellowship is, is uniting, uniting around something, Jesus Christ. And then sharing life together, back and forth. And, and I want to tell you that fellowship, uh, this idea that we are united and that we are um, giving one to another, this should be honored. This should be honored and rejoiced in. Why? For the church. For the church. Um, you know, when we see great accomplishments, we consider them great accomplishments for what they accomplished, right? What's the deal with fellowship? Why is it so important? It's for the church. To strengthen the church. His church. Um, and uh, verse 30 um, you see the cost of service or the cost of fellowship. He nearly died for the work of Christ. Nearly died. I know of a man. Uh, he was serving as an elder in his church, and there was a, a particular friend of his uh, that wasn't an elder that struggled in his marriage, and um, this guy was deeply involved in caring for him and, and calling him and his wife back to their marriage vows and they continued on in marriage problems and their, their marriage uh, divorced and separated. And it was this big deal and it, it broke this elder's heart. And you know what happened? He died of a heart attack. He died of a heart attack. And some of you are hearing that right now and you're going, got it. Don't be an elder. Got it. Note to self, elder, heart attack, die. Got it. I want to tell you, um, you could die out on the golf course. I know, I know people who went fishing and they caught a big fish and they died fishing, okay? You can die doing anything. And, and the point here is this. He's, he's highlighting Epaphroditus and he goes, this is, this is what it looks like. Uh, for those of you who don't get it, this is what it looks like. The cost of service. This morning, I, I just want to summarize for you uh, three critical observations of the life of Epaphroditus, what we know about him. And maybe this will be helpful for us to really get a picture of our role here in this church and how we uh, are part of the unity and serving of one another. The first one is this. It costs to care. It costs to care. Fellowship always costs. It's not just an idea in your heart. It's not just um, th this idea that I'm connected in my heart with you, but it will cost you something. It will cost you something. It will cost you time. Uh, it costs the Philippian church money. It, it will cost you energy. And it might even cost you 
your health. Your health. Uh, we, we're in a culture today where health is the most important thing. Are you healthy? Oh, I can't go there. Why? Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I can't eat any of those foods or they don't have medical care that I need. And, uh, I, you know, the doctors and this and that. And the question should not be, uh, you know, what are the stuff that I can get? Can I keep my whole life? Can I keep everything that I need? It's, is this what God want, wants me to do? Is this part of what he's doing? Is this part of the establishing of his church? And this is, is this the role that I, I need to play? Uh, when you realize Epaphroditus uh, and him going about, he risked it. He risked it uh, to go. And, and it did cost him his health. It did. Even up to the edge of death. And we know of others in the scriptures uh, that died serving the Lord. It costs to care. Fellowship will always cost. If you want to have fellowship with the leftovers of your life, that's not fellowship. That's a hobby. It's a hobby. What God's called us to here is fellowship, meaningful partnership around Jesus Christ, sharing of life. Secondly, uh, encouragement comes from being together. Encouragement comes from being together. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where we got this. I don't know where we got this. But um, God's people saved souls. Saved souls are His people, the building of His church. Okay? And if you think you don't need saved souls, believers in your life, you've missed the boat. And there's this thing where you won't be encouraged and the people that God wants you to be with won't be encouraged either. Let me tell you why you should come Sunday morning. To be encouraged and to encourage one another. Okay, if you miss, better have a written note from somebody. Uh, is it okay if you miss? It's okay. We're not taking attendance here, kind of. But uh, uh, like, like the idea here is not just that you would come and sit. We don't need more people here. We don't need less people. We don't... It's the idea that you would see one another face to face and encourage one another. And this would be a part of your life, not just Sunday morning, but other times as well. Do you get this? Timothy, why was he part of this deal? He was going to put eyes on people, right? That they would see his face. And, the, and now Epaphroditus, why? And why did Paul want to come later? Why? Face to face. And so this idea of us being separated from one another I want to tell you that should be short and rare. Short periods of time and rare. That we might see one another, that we would put eyes on one another, that we would be an encouragement to one another. Even come when you don't feel well. I want to encourage you about that. I mean, if you're if you're toxic and uh, stuff like that, don't come. But but if but if you have to drag yourself to church, do it. Let us be an encouragement to you, and vice versa. You know, I love it when I see people drag themselves to church. It makes my heart rejoice because they they got it. They see it's important as being with God's people. Um, And lastly, um, church life is the most important thing to Jesus. The most important thing to Jesus. 
the most important thing to Jesus. As you look at this passage, you realize that he calls us to selflessly serve one another, that Christ died for the church. He gave it up for the church. Paul was giving it up for the church. Timothy was seeking Christ in the church. And Epaphroditus almost died for the church. This is the most... And, and so um, if you do something dumb, if you do something dumb, you kind of keep it quiet, right? Uh, some of you have had near-death experiences, especially some of you men in your teenage years, right? Uh, you're doing things dumb and you almost died and you you, you kind of, you don't tell mom about it, right? You don't tell mom. Why? Because you're like, that was a dumb thing. I kind of want to keep that on the down low and just learn my lesson and be done with it, okay? Uh, but if you do something heroic, heroic, there's a sense where, hey, let's blow it up and let's make it. It's in God's word. Um, if, if Paul was meaning to say to the church at Philippi, don't do dumb things like this. Epaphroditus did. He almost died. He wasn't saying don't uh, do anything scary because you might die. He was saying Epaphroditus knew it. He got it. And his heart was along with Jesus because Jesus loves his church. And I want to encourage us uh, that you know, Christ, the most important thing for him was his church. And I just want to ask us this question. How about you? What's the most important thing to you? It's the church that Christ died for. Do you love it? Are you excited about it? Is it your identity? Is it the thing that you'll sacrifice for? Are you you're finding your roles there as brother, as a soldier, as worker, as messenger, and minister? Like You look at those things and you say, that's what I am here in this place. Because this is the most important thing to Jesus, His church, the building of His church, and the establishing of other churches as well. Trust that God will give us a part of that as well, an opportunity to serve Him side by side with others. God, thank You for this morning and the grace and the mercy and the strength to be a part of Your work here. And God, I pray that You would give us a picture of what that looks like. Some of us are still struggling with where, what our role is and how this works. And uh, we live in this beautiful community that reminds us sometimes that it feels like we're on vacation. And yet, uh, you've called us to be soldiers and workers. God, uh, we ask that you would do your work in us, change our hearts, that we might uh, do your work here in this place and that uh, it might continue out from here as you work in other places as well. Uh, God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name.